I, I got caught up in the moment too. When I got up here, I got all excited. 175 years. Felt like, felt like my birthday. Like it's a party. Like I feel like a little kid. And um, so I uh, forgot to introduce our special guest, guest Pastor Jack Daniel, uh, who serves as Pastor Emeritus of the Free Christian Church, was the senior pastor for 35 years, a very fruitful ministry, a great season of, of, of growth and fruitfulness and of goodness uh, in the life of this church. And so we're so glad that you're joining us on the celebration. Uh, this church, 175, I mean, that's, this church has survived through wars, the U.S. Civil War and uh, two world wars. Uh, it was actually the Vietnam War, which was probably the hardest uh, for a number of reasons in the life of this church, a uh, very di- difficult season of uh, disagreement. Uh, we've, we're working our way through our second global pandemic, the, the flu of 1918. I don't know if you know this, but it shut down the church for about four weeks. And then, of course, again in 2020, we were shut down completely. The doors closed for about 12 weeks in ongoing limitations of that. Uh, we have worshipped as a spiritual family in a number of meeting houses. This church started meeting in homes, people's private homes. It used to meet at the Unitarian Church. Uh, just borrowing space there. Then there was the White Church, as they called it, on Railroad Street, which is the building's no longer there. And then, of course, 1907, we moved up here to 31 Elm Street. And then as of last month, of course, we're expanding all the way over to 43 Elm Street. Uh, praise God, we are strong now. We are united. And we are committed to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we give God all the glory for everything that he's done over these many years. Uh, but we remember that this whole thing started with very humble beginnings. And I love, uh, I love that quote that you shared from William Donald, that the, uh, our friends among the wise and the learned of town were few. This, this church didn't start with all the influence and all the power and all the movers and shakers in town. But it was, uh, if we had little to cheer us, we thank God and took courage at every remembrance of our righteous cause. The honor conferred upon us and being allowed to stand forth as friends of the poor and the friendless. That's the beginning. And even before that, it was one man with a broken heart, John Smith, who sees a slave trade. And it just, it just destroyed him. And he said, we can't sit around while this is going on in our country. So we started a, a group and a little movement of people. Just very small and humble beginnings. William Brown, the third pastor of the Free Church, he's reflecting back on stories that he was told of the founding. And he said, I remember to have heard some of the leading brethren remark as to what their emotions were on that first Sunday of their public worship. They thought their numbers would be so small as to produce discouragement, but were delighted and made hopeful by finding an unexpectedly large gathering on each succeeding Sunday the congregation increased until the place was filled. They started this thing, like, what if nobody shows up? I had, do you ever have that feeling? You're throwing a party or you're doing something. You know, nobody's going to come to this thing. Nobody wants to be here. And yet, people wanted to join in on this good cause. Humble beginnings and beautiful growth of this church. And today we're looking at three parables that Jesus told his followers. And they were all about growth. They were all talking about how God's kingdom grows. And as we will see, um, God's growing kingdom also starts from very humble beginning and grows into something big and beautiful and life-changing. 
This is important for every one of us because as we realize uh, that God's kingdom grows and we think about this church as one part or one expression of that kingdom, that God is calling us to grow as well. And you as individuals, every single person in here, as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been welcomed into that family. You're part of that kingdom that God is building and advancing in this world. And you too are also called to grow. So we need to understand how God's kingdom grows and why it grows the way it does. So that we might, even if you feel like you have a long way to go, we're all on that journey. Let us pray. Father, we do desire to grow. We desire to, to, to know you more, to be a part of this thing, of this restoration of the whole world, Lord. Who are we that you would call us to be part of it? But by your grace, you've called us to follow you and trust you. So now we turn ourselves to your word, and we just pray that during this time you would teach us and that you would use this to shape us that we might follow you, and we do give you all the glory, and we give you this time, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So I want to look at three things from these parables. One is that uh, the notion that God's kingdom is a growing kingdom. Secondly, that God's kingdom grows from humble beginnings. And thirdly, that God's kingdom grows with transformational power as it grows. So we're going to look at these parables. So why did Jesus teach in parables? seems almost that he's going around and trying to secretly give this message or maybe put up a barrier for some people and give out this secret knowledge. Is, is Jesus trying to hide his truth from people? And I believe Jesus taught in parables for just the opposite reason, that Jesus wanted it to be clear. He uses examples of very simple things, of planting a seed, of baking bread, these everyday examples to take this profound notion of God's work in the world and drive it deep into the hearts of people. The, the barrier isn't the parable. The barrier, barrier, the barrier is the heart of the person listening. Jesus said some of this word is going to just bounce off the hearts of people or it'll just go very shallow. But for those who want to understand, you can understand these mysteries. You can understand God's kingdom. Because I'm going to make it clear to you. And he taught them as much as they could handle. Jesus even said, there's more I can tell you. You can't even handle it now. But my Holy Spirit's going to come and continue to teach you. And as we open our hearts to understand these parables, they can go deep. And God is using it to transform. So the first parable here is about how the kingdom grows. And it's a story of a man who planted some, some good seed. And then an enemy came and when he wasn't at nighttime or when he wasn't looking, he plants weeds among, among the, the good seed. That's so mean. I mean, that's a slow burn, a slow way to really torment somebody. And because even when it sprouts, you, they couldn't tell the difference between the wheat and the, the weed. And it was only until it had grown up quite a bit that uh, the workers realized this had happened. They said, hey, should we tear out all these weeds? And and, and the owner said, no, we actually, if you do that, it's going to rip out everything. We need to let it all come to a full harvest. And then it'll be separated. And then it, it, will, it will have the, the right harvest. And this is the wisdom of God. It teaches that as God's kingdom grows in this world, there's actually evil that grows up along with it. And there's things that nurture God's kingdom. And there's things that the enemy is doing that, that are evil and, and wrong. And those are growing right along with it. 
uh, but the evil is not ripped out immediately. The kingdom that Jesus ushered in, Jesus came to really establish God's kingdom in a full way, but it wasn't in a complete or finished way. It wasn't all at once. It was just the seed of the kingdom. And Jesus is the, the first fruit to, to know that, yes, the crop and the, the good harvest is coming, but it's, it needs to grow over time. The people wanted it to happen right away. That was their expectation. When Jesus came, they said, look, the Messiah is here. He's going to conquer. It's going to be one fell swoop. This whole thing will be over. All the oppression of, they were living under Roman rule and, and all of the, the struggle of life and the sin in the world. It's just all going to get wiped out. They wanted it right then. And they're recognizing Jesus as he's healing people and doing his work. This is the Messiah. This is the kingdom of God. Now let's end this thing. And Jesus says, no, actually, I'm here to begin this thing. And God knows that the world isn't ready for, for the finality of it. And this parable, in a really profound way, teaches us something about what's one of the hardest questions of our faith. It's the question, you know, why does evil exist if God is so good? Or why do bad things happen to good people? That is a very difficult and very profound question of our faith. And everybody along their journey, whether it's a child or uh, as you grow, we, we ask this question over and over in different ways. Why the illness and the, the evil and the violence in our world? Why doesn't God just wipe it out? But if we understand this parable, if we understand it well, we, we realize that when, when, evil, when, when the evil is ripped out, that good can be ripped out with it. That if we, we want God to rip all the evil out of the world... But we need to remember that evil exists in, in every human heart. That we all sin and we all fall short. We all need God's salvation and his forgiveness and his grace to extend. To, to gently remove that evil from our hearts. And we bring that message of forgiveness to our world. And, it ta- and it's time. So there, if, if God were to just rip it all out immediately, it, would, it does not give t- time for people to turn and to receive his grace. It's actually very kind and patient of God to wait, to let these things grow together, that many might turn their hearts to what is good, towards God's kingdom, to receive his salvation. And so there will be a separation. The, The judgment will come. But in the meantime, God is patiently extending his goodness and nurturing that good soil so that we as his followers and those who we share this good news with can grow together. But we are going to see evil around us. This reminds us that if we are part of a growing kingdom, that is going to, we don't know how long it will grow. But if we're part of that, we need to grow with it. We need to be committed to personal renewal. To be on our guard against the evil that's around us, but to, to nurture the soil of our lives through prayer through meditation on scripture, by, by our fellowship and continuing to meet together as we gather in small groups and we gather in various ways. We need to be committed to our own growth. But also as a church, as much as it's beautiful how the church has grown over 175 years, that we need to continue to serve excellently, to steward the resources that God has given us, to use the gifts that he's given each of us excellently to serve uh, one another and to serve our community using it for God's glory. We need to grow deeper. We need to grow wider. We need to continue to be an inviting church where we invite people to to come and see and and worship with us and come to Alpha or come to a group or come to an event. And we're an inviting church. And we, 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 through that, we'll grow deeper 
and will grow wider because God's kingdom is growing and continues to grow. The second parable shows us that God's kingdom, not only is it growing, but it's growing from a very humble beginning. Verse 31, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took, planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants, becomes a tree, so that the birds can come and perch in its branches. Very simple parable here. He said a mustard seed is so tiny. And yet it grows into a big tree, maybe nine, ten feet even. And birds can perch in it. It is so big from that tiny seed. Not only is God's kingdom growing, but it's growing from things that look insignificant and small and humble. Even Jesus himself, he comes on the scene. He's just just a baby. Just helpless and and humble. Born to a, a family very much in obscurity, very much in poverty. And then he's, Jesus grows and he's traveling around with his followers. Not, not followers who had a lot of uh, political influence. They, didn't, they weren't religious leaders. Some of them were not even, didn't have any special education. They, they, they were just a, a group of uh, ragtag followers. And Jesus is with them, teaching them simple lessons, object lessons about plants, about bread. And Jesus, like a small seed, it looks like there's no life in it. And he's killed, crucified, dead and buried and put into that tomb. But then the seed sprouts and Jesus rises from the dead and he becomes that first fruit as the, as the New Testament language picks up that his resurrection is the, is the sprouting and it, it's the evidence of the fruit that a new, a whole new way, a whole new life is available to us. A whole new life. And God's kingdom will grow, and it's going to grow from that small thing into this beautiful kingdom where one day it will be known in its fullness. There'll be no more evil, no more suffering, no more sickness or death, no more tears. And we'll live in the presence of God in the fullness of that kingdom, but it's growing small and it's going to grow huge. That's how God works. That's how God works in his kingdom, and that's how God works in our lives. We... we as a church, we do big things. We bought this property over here. There's a huge project. But God, I believe, waited till we did some small things first. Small steps of faith and obedience and getting healthy. And then God opens a big door. And in our lives, small steps of faith, we think it's almost nothing. Maybe you're able to forgive somebody who hurt you. Just a small thing. Or maybe you overcome a fear that you've had for a long time. Or you find... Uh, recovery from, from a compulsion or an addiction. Just one small step. Healing from a past trauma. Simple ways to find joy. Even just starting a life of prayer. You know, I didn't pray before and now I pray. Finding fellowship. I, I didn't used to be in a small group and now I do know the fellowship of, of a group and having people to walk with me. These are all small steps. But God is using them to to, to to bring you along in his good work. And they grow, all, every one of those small steps. So the question for us every day is, what small step of faith is God calling me to? What is my next step of faith? Everyone has a next step. I have a next step. You have a next step. Small steps. But we know that God takes those small things and they grow huge. The third parable here teaches us that 
So not only does God's kingdom grow, it grows from something small into something beautiful, but as it grows, it has a transforming power. This is the parable of the yeast in verse 33. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. 60 pounds of flour, that's a lot of dough. That could feed 100 people or so with that bread. Poor woman. But the point here is that it's a small thing, a very small amount of yeast, and yet it has this, tra- has this ability to transform from unleavened bread, which is just a cracker and just terrible, to beautiful bread. That's why these things, this little cracker, unleavened bread, and it's crunchy, and, I, I, and to be honest, it's like I hope nobody chips a tooth. On this. It is, and I warn you, if you've never used them, it's crunchy. But we used to use really good bread with yeast in it. And it was the best bread in the Merrimack Valley, maybe even beyond, to celebrate remembering what Jesus did for us. So there's a huge, my point is there's a huge difference between bread with no yeast and bread with the right yeast and ingredients. And it transforms from a crunchy cracker to a beautiful, soft, squishy bread. <laughs> Following Jesus Christ, his kingdom, Christianity transforms. When, when Christ brought this kingdom into the, into the ancient world, the status of sinners and outcasts, those who were despised, were now family members in God's community. The status of the poor were now seen as rich and generous even in their poverty. The status of women in the Roman world was terrible. They not even, had no legal rights, uh, were despised and, and used. But then in the book of Acts, where, we, where it's described where the Holy Spirit came to, to Christ's followers on the day of Pentecost, we have men and women prophesying. And, and the Apostle Peter said, that is a sign of God's kingdom. This means God's kingdom has really come. Because we have men and women who are, uh, who are experiencing the, God, the Spirit of God equally. And in the early church, we find women empowered in all kinds of ways. The status of the weak and the ill, now seen as valuable lives, not lives to be discarded. The, the status of slaves, that, that those who were once thought as property are now seen as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Just read the book of Philemon, it's all about that. It, the, Christianity transforms culture and it transforms lives. There's this massive transformational power to it. And it changed the world from small beginnings with a transformational power to grow. We think of John Smith, just one man with a broken heart for what he had seen and his love for for human beings created in the image of God and wouldn't stand forth. Jack, I think of your ministry. Humble beginnings... They, I, they, they say, I know what the history says the, about attendance numbers in those days. But I've talked to, you know, some of those folks are still around. They said, you know, 50 people on a good Sunday, on a really important, like on a celebration Sunday. And to grow to, to many hundreds of people worshiping together. Uh, and just the, the, the beauty of the, the humble beginnings and just being faithful in the small things. And seeing people come to faith. And that kingdom growing. And lives transformed. And every single day, every one of us goes into our world with that, tr- that same power to transform our lives, the, the, the world that God has called us to, the front lines of your life. 
Maybe it's just as simple as offering grace in an environment where there's very little grace. Maybe it's just speaking truth when it would be easier to, to, to just tell a lie or to just um, to not be forthright. It, it's as simple as just praying for somebody or praying with somebody in your everyday life. Small acts of faith. Waking up every day saying, God, show me how to live for you today. Open those doors for me. Lord, guide me to the people and to the places where you are calling me. 175 years, free church. Very uh, humble beginning and now a robust ministry today, but God's kingdom will continue to grow, continue to transform lives. We need to be faithful to our calling and our day for the glory of God. We've got big projects, but we've got the everyday small things that God is calling us to, and by his grace, we will step forward in faith and see his kingdom grow. Let us pray. Father, you are so good to us. You, our loving Father, have called us out of darkness into your light to be your people, to be part of this, uh, this, this small thing that is just growing and expanding in our world. We pray that it would continue to grow and to be fruitful in our lives and, and everywhere where people call on your name, Lord. Give us the wisdom to know the steps, the small steps of faith, the next steps of faith that you're calling us to. Give us hearts to be obedient. And may this all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.